Hey everyone, before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know about a really great credit card offer that's available right now. And it's for my favorite travel card, the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card. And this offer is about to come to an end. We don't have an official end date, but Chase has said that the offer will be ending soon. So if you want to grab it, now would be the time. But this card is typically um, offers a bonus of 60,000 points after you spend $4,000 in the first three months. And it is now elevated to 75,000 points. And we likely will not see an elevated bonus for this card for another year. Uh, historically, for the last few years, they have just raised the bonus at this time of year and only once. So I recommend this card. If you want to fly for free using miles and points, you cannot go wrong with this card. It works very well with my system. Chase works well with Southwest. It's, it's great value from Hyatt. And I personally saved uh, $6,000 using 87000 chase points this year for a hotel stay in Costa Rica. So it's a crazy amount of value that you can get out of these points um, if you understand how to use them properly. So anyway, I would love for you to consider using my affiliate link if you do apply for this card to help support the podcast and my small business. And you can do that by going to familiesflyfree.com slash chase sapphire preferred, all one word, no dashes, no spaces. So thanks for considering and enjoy today's episode. At the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, you will remember experiences you had and moments where you visit a new city or saw something iconic or something cool. And a guide only builds up the anticipation towards that moment and makes it more memorable. So when that moment does come, you'd be like, I remember this is in chapel. I remember being in San Chapelle, hearing about the windows getting broken. And I remember seeing this aqueduct in Segovia. You know what I mean? It's like these memories are what you're taking with you. So the number one reason to take a tour is because if you don't take a tour, you might forget what you saw. And if you take a tour, your chances of remembering it are that much greater. Do you love to travel and save money? Or do you wish you could travel, but money is holding you back? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Families Fly Free podcast, where I show you how to fly your family free forever using my simple fly free formula. I'm your host, Lynn Mettler. My family of four has mastered the art of flying free as simply as possible since 2015, and I want to show your family how to do it too. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Family's Fly Free Podcast. This week we are going to be talking about Europe because... Europe is a hot spot right now. I think we have a lot of people post-pandemic. I know some people started going last year, but a lot of people are going this year. Um, I definitely know people there right now. I know people who are headed there. We even have one member who's going twice this summer. Lucky her. <laughs> and um, as I've shared on the podcast previously, we had a trip scheduled to Italy and Switzerland in May that we had to cancel. And so we are now have rebooked. And fingers crossed, we're going to do Paris um, later this summer. So all that to say, um, this week I have brought on a guest, Sean Finelli, who is the co-founder of The Tour Guy. Um, and I'll let him explain to you um, in depth what they are. But um, they are, from my view, a tour company that offers all kinds of amazing tours in cities around the world, not just in Europe, but I think in large part Europe. 
Um, so welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, super, uh, I think your description is super accurate. You know okay. I mean? We are a tour company. Uh, we've always been, a, I used to be a tour guide. Um, you know, my business partner, Brandon is actually in Rome, Rome right now, uh, leading some tours because of some guide crises that are going on oh, wow. in Rome. Yeah. If you do that, do the whole, the questions you have on crowds are a very hot topic right now, um, mm. especially in the main cities, but yeah, I mean, we are a tour company. We leverage technology to kind of make user experience better for travelers and people going to different destinations. But every company does that now. I mean, it's like my dentist will text me with updates and things like that. So it's not like it's nothing new or groundbreaking. We're just kind of at the status quo on technology. But uh, yeah, tour company overall. So I I think it's been many years now since I came across Sean. I think back in the days when I was doing a lot yes. of travel writing for um, different sites like U.S. News and World Report and some others. And so um, I wrote about some of their tours and I actually have personally been on multiple of their tours, which I absolutely loved. Um, and so I always keep them in mind when I'm writing about Europe. But um, so I did just want to share if everyone will indulge me for a second, some of my experiences on um, their tour. So we did multiple when we were in Rome and the Rome Amalfi area, which has been now, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. But um, but I'm a tour person because I love to learn. I'm a history geek. And so I just, I'm like, load me up, like <laughs> tell me everything I can learn about wherever I am. And I think when you don't take a tour, you just miss out on a lot. So we did their, um, the catacombs tour. I think there's multiple catacombs in Rome, but, um, and San Clemente, those two go together, right? That, yes. that old Same church. Um, and what I loved about that one, it was an actual professor from a university in the area who led that. And I just thought he was fantastic. I even took my picture with him. I thought he was so great. <laughs> so, um, and then we did the Colosseum, um, underground tour. So I'll let you explain this a little bit, but you know, some of these places you may not realize you need to book ahead of time in order to get yes. access to yes. these things like way ahead of time, people way ahead of time. <laughs> um, and, and through some of these tours, like they have, you can see things that you might not see otherwise. So like this took us not just in the main Coliseum, which a, I was surprised to learn is a church didn't, that's amazing. Um, and then we went into the underground where you could see where they like loaded the animals to pop them up on the floor. And Backstage. All yeah. Backstage so we, was understage. Yeah. That was a really cool. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to the Coliseum, like tell us about the difficulties of getting in there. Yeah. I mean, so Rome is just like, the tourist destination for tours and activities. Um, you know, the idea of a tour is really changed a lot uh, through the last like 50 or 60 years. Like a tour is also like a seven day trip where you have hotels and buses and all the things included. And there's one tour leader with you. What we run is, are like three hour uh, tour. Three hour uh, tour. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, there's a different, like depending on, you know, your you know, where you are in life and what you're used to in marketing tours was a multi-day experience where you went to China and the great wall. And now it is a, uh, you know, it, it is both actually, but we run the three hour portion. So individual, it's like, if you want to plan your trip on your own and not be with a tour group. You could hop on a three hour tour as a Coliseum and then go do your own thing for a day. And the next day you want to have some other structured activity, like the catacombs tour you're talking about with San Clemente, you can do that too. Um, 
booking in advance is 2023 is a very busy season. This is the revenge travel season. There are multiple challenges for tour companies right now uh, in terms of, you know, guides, tickets, everything. We've been very much ahead of that curve. So we're doing quite well and our customers are quite happy. But I mean, there's a big issue with, you know, the pandemic didn't allow, like there were a lot of things that happened, like licensing in Rome is a very big, important thing. And during the pandemic, the guide, like the uh, the guide license association, didn't release any more licenses, so no one could study and take the test and become a tour guide. So now we haven't had licenses released since 2019 or 2018. It's kind of so like the not, climate shortage. Exactly what it's like. So the amount of people that didn't travel during the pandemic are now all in in Europe and Rome yeah. specifically. And there's it's like four years with the tourism in one summer, and there's just not enough people. So, you know, in the summertime, people should expect, you know, not be able to find the tickets they want to find unless they book in advance. There still are, we have a lot of last minute tours, like a few different products, normally on the least expensive side, honestly, are the last minute products. They normally have lower value props. Like instead of a Coliseum underground tour, which is like the most premier experience you can get, which when we come to the higher price tag, like closer to $150 a pop, you can get a tour for like $65 small group. And, you know, it's just a regular Coliseum tour, but still very cool because you're inside the Coliseum with tour guide. Um, yeah, but so getting tickets is quite challenging right now too. It's one of those things where you, you, you're going to end up booking a tour one way or the other. She might as well book it in advance. And I just remember them talking about like when we were at the Coliseum, I mean, there, I mean, this was pre pandemic, you know, and the crowds were crazy. Like I can't imagine trying to navigate that. I mean, I guess you can't just show up these days, right. And be like, no, I'd like no, to buy a ticket to go in the Coliseum. No, I don't think you can show up and wait in line yeah. and get in the Coliseum at all. I think tickets are completely sold out. I know that because we buy a lot of the tickets. Um, so we're part of the, you know, reason why they're sold out, but there, there, there aren't many tickets left over. Uh, so booking in advance is definitely something you want to do. Booking a tour is a better experience overall. Anyway, back in the day, uh, tours used to be sold in the street to avoid the line. And they were normally like big, huge groups of 50 and you were literally just buying that to skip the line. And then maybe you got some cool information. Now the groups are nicer. They're smaller. They're closer to like 20, 25 people. Um, you go inside, you have a very good guide, archaeologist. They're focused on the tour and not just skipping the line, although you do get the advantage of skipping the line. And you go to see some cool stuff. Uh, it's, it's quite nice, but you can't. I would not expect to show up to any monument. The underground tour you mentioned is also quite complex now. You have to book that at least 30 days in advance. So you wow. cannot even expect. It's not even possible to get an underground tour less than 30 days in advance because this particular tour you need to have your name on the ticket uh, as written on your passport you need to bring your passport to the coliseum as well so oh, they wow. change the rules on this hmm. yes yeah, so if you try to book it on our website the next 30 days is completely sold out you can't buy a ticket we can't change tickets from one person to the other we can't write your name on our ticket later at the time of reservation we need to have the name full name of the traveler as written on their passport so so this is all the reasons days. to plan ahead i'm notoriously not a great planner <laughs> But uh, there are some things that you have to plant. Disney would be another one. But um, yes. and isn't it difficult to become a tour guide in Italy? Or isn't it pretty stringent? Yeah, there's a whole licensing. So you study for years to become a tour guide. It's not just like, a, I think I want to become a tour guide. So you stay yeah. for a couple months. It's, it's years of studying. I mean, uh, to take the test. I mean, for example, one of the questions in the test uh, was, tell me the type of marble for the column number four in room A1 in the Capitoline Museum. Just that's it. Oh my What's gosh. What's a marble? You know, and the idea is that maybe you can, <laughs> Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, it's like no one on a tour is ever going to ask that. If someone did ask that, I would probably be like, listen, I'm not even going to try to answer that because it's crazy. Let me get back you know, to you. <laughs> well, not even that. It would just be like, let's focus on this, you know, Renaissance painting over here or something like that, you know, but 
that is the type of stuff you have to know to get a license. It's not easy. You must be, you must have a background in history. It's not just like i I'm very exciting. I can make stuff up. It's, it's yeah. very controlled. I guess you know, that's why we have professors later. doing it because they would have that knowledge, you know, professors, archaeologists, you know, I know archaeologists that were, you know, uh, tour guides without licenses, which isn't very legal to do. And these guys were super knowledgeable, super great, but never got the license. It was very, very, it's very difficult to get, you know, and these people would be the definite person you want to hire for a tour, but according to Rome, they're not good enough. Hmm. Yeah, that's insane. Um, okay. So, and with that one, we also did the Palatine Hill, which is like the ancient, ancient yes. part of Rome, um, pre-Roman glory, I guess, as we think of it. But, um, but then one of my favorite things we've ever done, um, was the Vatican museums mm-hmm. with this day trip out to Castel Gandolfo, um, yes. which I happen to be Catholic. So this, I exceptionally found this interesting but it's the was the summer residence of the popes for hundreds of years um pope francis until like five years ago right so he's chosen not to use it and so now it's open to the public which is pretty cool Uh, but it's just this beautiful town like um you like hop on this train in vatican city and then what in an hour okay so this is the deal of the century by the way this is like one of the least expensive vatican tours we have just because of a caveat so it's, it's, we sell this for less than it costs us to run it. And all tour companies do this. And it's a, the conversation is even too complex to even explain. The Vatican really mm-hmm. likes tour operators to sell this tour. Okay. So you can do a Vatican tour. That's like a premium Vatican tour. It's full day though, for less than other premium Vatican tours. And it includes lunch and you go to Castel Gandolfo and you get to go to the Vatican gardens and it Vatican is rarely awesome. purchased. It's rarely purchased. Nobody buys this tour. It um, runs like with like a few people every week where we have like, just because people normally don't want to spend the whole day there at the Vatican. So it's great for any religious traveler or any traveler that just has additional time in Rome wants to do something different and cool. I mean, you have one of your questions you sent me was, how do you avoid the crowds in Rome? This tour is how you avoid the crowds in Rome. The Vatican oh. museums are going to be miserable this summer. There mm. is almost no way to avoid it. We have one tour called the Vatican Appetitivo tour, which enters at night. Uh, it's a premium tour, so I think it costs like around $150. You know, that could obviously fluctuate over time. Uh, but at the time of recording, 2023, that's where it was. And it goes inside at night. So there's about 100 people in the Sistine Chapel. And that's really, really good. During the day, that's there's cool. probably 1,000 people in the Sistine Chapel at a time. Yes, that's a great tip more. because you definitely want to see the Sistine Chapel. And yes. yeah, fewer so, people would be better. <laughs> yes. So doing like a, uh, the... Castel Gandolfo tour is what you're referring to. We take the Vatican train, by the way. It's yes. actually a train station in the Vatican so cool. to Castel Gandolfo. <laughs> yes, it is cool. Um, is a great way to avoid the crowds. Otherwise, in the summer months, it's going to be busy at the Vatican. It's 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 something that you're there. You definitely should do it. A tour is the best way to do it. Expect to be crowded though. It's it's going to depreciate this, the 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 experience. But you know, you, you got to travel when your kids are out of school for most people. Right. Yes. Um, and I would say even if you're not a religious traveler like this, this town that this is in is just beautiful. It's just like a it's very cool. Rome. It's a volcanic lake that you're looking over. It's yes. just a stunner. And you could just go there and have lunch and ride this train. It's just a neat experience. So and I think we, we used to go there all the time just to lay at the lake and hang out. And oh, really? You know, it's yeah. very nice. Yeah, it's just a cool town outside of Rome. It's actually a what very the Pope's picked it for their vacation residence. <laughs> You're actually right. We should market it that way. It's a very inexpensive way to visit a town outside of Rome and also do a Vatican tour with tons of free time. 
And what what I found most amazing, and this I think would relate whether religious or not, is um, you you tour the ground, the gardens there, and it it's like unexcavated Roman ancient Roman ruins are just Very laying beautiful. around. Of course, they're just laying around. You go, you can go dime a dozen. Yeah, I mean that's. I was just like, what? They just like we haven't gotten around to excavating <laughs> this area yet. Um, and there's a little theater, ancient theater back there that you can see. You can still the mosaic still on the floor. And I mean, yeah. it's because it was all like palaces for emperors. It was a yeah, like it was is it Domitian or Diocletian. It was one of their villas is where this is. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but one of the two of the them. emperors sound nice, you know? Yeah, it's like the his summer, this pope summer home is built on this ancient Roman. You, they always did. It was cheaper to build on that foundation. And they used to have better concrete than they used today. So the foundations probably last longer. Yeah. So if you're interested in archaeology or it's very cool. Okay. So um, I'm going to It's also nice to hang out, you know? (laughs) It is right. I mean, just go up there, have lunch, stroll around. I mean, it's just great. Um, And then the last one that I wanted to mention was um, the drive down the Amalfi coast, which I think is kind of a different thing. Like you could through one, through you, you could hire a driver to drive you from Rome down to, I think that's where we go from. Yeah, we didn't do Pompeii. We skipped Pompeii, which we got to go back and do that. But um, we ah, went yeah, I remember. down through the coast because driving that road, like my husband is a great driver, but my goodness, I don't, you really would have to know what you're doing because it's this teeny tiny curvy mountainous road with trucks with and tour buses, buses coming, coming by, yeah. and they know how to stop and navigate and everything. So I, then you don't, you can focus on the beauty around you. And then we, we got to like stop at the different towns and we had lunch at, Il Priano, highly recommend that. That was a stunner. Um, and then ended up at Sorrento. Um, and then we spent a couple nights there. But so just all kinds of different things that you offer, I think. Yeah, we actually have a small group version of that, which is really good, which hits Pompeii and then does the Amalfi Coast drive down to Sorrento. It doesn't go that far in Amalfi Coast because it's just like in the summertime, it's very busy. There's a lot of traffic. I mean, I get motion sickness, so I, I don't want to spend sitting in the backseat down the Amalfi Coast road personally. <laughs> Um, and Sorrento is very nice. It's not technically part of the Amalfi Coast, but you, you'd fool a lot of people um, because it looks exactly the same. So that one goes to Sorrento, which is quite nice. Lots of time to walk around, eat lunch and everything. Um, or you could hire a private driver and do the Amalfi Coast drive. It's actually, you know, if you're going to stay on the Amalfi Coast, it's perfect. Like you said, you got dropped off and spent a couple nights in Sorrento and, you know, going down to Positano and getting a driver is quite nice. And we normally include Pompeii in that as well, uh, which is a, a nice stop along the way. Right. Yeah. And I think we ended up just taking trains to get back to back to Rome. But yeah, from Sorrento, it's hooked up to to Naples by train. You can take a train from Naples to Rome. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So, um, okay, so let's get to if you have any. So we've definitely said there's huge crowds in 2023, right? Yes. (laughs) So any other tips to to mitigate the crowds? Yeah, I mean, totally. So I guess the real tip is just don't go to Rome in June and July. Um, and if <laughs> and you do, you shouldn't go in August either, should you? Just because there's nothing. Uh, open. August is well, it's more open now than it used to be. I mean, okay. I don't know how this summer is going to be, but the last like four years, August has been much more reasonable. It's normally just like the fifteenth of August, and the few days around that is quite like closed up. But all the monuments are open, all the attractions are open, and there's while there's still many many tourists because everyone's traveling, there are less Italians there which makes the city feel less crowded. There's less cars driving around. It's actually quite nice. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be in Rome this August, but it is a nice feeling there in Rome in August. Just more holidays, more closures, but you know you can kind of work around it. All the museums are open, all the tourist tracks are open. But like June, July, September are going to be quite busy this year. I When I travel to, to Italy, 
Uh, normally, I would probably want to go if I was planning a trip. I would like to go in March or April or October or even November. The the okay. first week of December is also quite a nice time to go to Italy. It's not you get really lucky. The last like three or four times I've been there during that period, that's when we have our company Christmas party. Uh, it's been very nice, light jacket weather, some light rain, which is fine. You walk around dressed up because it's Italy, so you have like your nice clothes on, and you know you're wearing your half suit or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's also lit up for Christmas. Oh yeah. So the pro tip nice. is if you go around like December 8th, you know, you, you, you can do like a, I mean, it's not, a, it, the flights are normally relatively inexpensive. Like I normally pen on the summer, I pay 15 to $2,000 for flights to Italy. And then in December, it's like 600 bucks. So you can go for a long weekend um, if you have the means and it's less expensive than the summertime. And Rome is quite nice, lit up for Christmas. Uh, restaurants are empty. Everything's empty. It's cheap. Hotels are like one third the price than they are in the summertime. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So try to go, if you can, not in the summer to Europe in general, yes. would you say? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go in like January, February personally. It's just a little bit too cold. But like December can be quite nice because the Christmas lights. So even if the weather is a little glum, the Christmas lights like really make some good energy there. Okay. Um, otherwise, in the summertime, if you're going to go like, just pop into the main cities, you know, do the, do the things like if you ha haven't been to Rome, you know, and you're going to go to Italy, you, you should see Rome. Like it's the most incredible city in Europe, 100%. in my personal opinion. Like that and Paris are just incredible. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I probably stay outside the city more often. Like there's lots of great places in Umbria and Umbria is going to be very dead this summer. You know, it's not going to be a lot of people. You can go to Gubbio, which is really cool, or to Vieto. Then like Tuscany is great. Tuscany is just very expensive. Like where you can rent in Umbria and Airbnb for like 300 bucks a night, get a couple of bedrooms and a beautiful view. In Tuscany, that same Airbnb will be like a thousand bucks a night. And Umbria looks similar to Tuscany, right? It's you just couldn't even tell the difference if you're driving through. Yeah. yeah, it's it's normally not like Tuscany because the label on the wine goes for a higher price, which is still mm -hmm. reasonable compared to like California or something crazy or France. But Tuscany just goes for a higher price. So Umbria is not as cultivated with, with vineyards. You don't get that like curated vineyard view literally everywhere. Like Tuscany is all grapevines and olive trees, but you get it a lot enough where it's like, this is really beautiful. And you get very cool towns. Like Gubbio is a diamond and rough. No one knows about it. It's an amazing town. So cool. Huge piazza, castle view. It could be something out of Game of Thrones. Well, and I um, uh, have an Italian tutor. I'm learning Italian anyway, and she's in Milan, but she every week on Skype, she has a picture of some Italian area behind her. And it's always someplace I've never heard of. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is a wonderful little gem of a town that only Italians know about. It's like there's just a million places like that in yes. Italy that yes. Americans don't have a clue about. We just hit all the. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't really want to tell anyone, to be honest, because I want them to stay how they are. You know, uh, there's like a lot of great gems, you know, like we're going to go to Ponza this summer, which is uh, an island off the coast of Rome that looks just like Capri, except the prices are one third the price or one quarter the price. And it's just as beautiful. No one speaks English, so everyone's intimidated to go there, but we can go there because we speak Italian and it works really well. You know, we're at a cliffside Airbnb with multiple terraces. And if you, I showed you the pictures, you'd think I was Please some juggernaut stockbroker, you know, <laughs> but really it was just reasonably priced because no one goes there. So I think that's a big tip to remember everyone. Like you can still see Italy or these other countries too, but um, in some of these off the radar areas. So let's talk about, I'm um, just, some of the benefits of taking a tour um, besides yes. learning, like I think a big one is that we broached on is skipping the line. So like when we go to Paris this summer, we will, hopefully I'm not too late. <laughs> oh, book your catacombs 
tour in Paris because when we first went to Paris, we did not know this, and we showed up with our kids to the catacombs. The most infamous line in Europe is the, it the, is, the catacombs. And it was like a three-hour line. You can't, you can't like, go inside without it. It's crazy. Yeah, no, nope, we're not going to be waiting in that line. So, mm-hmm. um, so our plan, we know this time. <laughs> We need to book this ahead of time, but like some things like that, you know, that well, let's, let's backtrack even beyond okay. the, the benefits. Cause like obviously skipping the line is a benefit. Like I, I literally sold tours in front of the Coliseum for like four years and you know, skip the line, skip the line, skip the line. You know, that's good. But otherwise, what else are you going to do if you don't do a tour? Like you, you, I went to the Sistine Chapel when I was like 18 years old or 19 years old. And me and my brother, we were probably drunk in Europe the whole time. And like yeah. we ran through the Vatican museums. I don't remember anything. I just remember looking through the Raphael rooms and be like, where the F is a Sistine Chapel. You know what I mean? I'm just like, sorry, this is family friendly, but cruising around, finally got it, looked up, got out of there. And it was just like, we were done in like 30 minutes. And it was just like, what was the point of that? Yeah. You know? And it's like, and then we're like, what do we do now? I guess we go drinking and get lunch. You know what I mean? That was the vibe. So it's like, what else are you going to do? Like structured activities breaks up your day and gives your day purpose and makes it more memorable. Otherwise you won't remember. Like I don't remember being in the Raphael rooms really well. I don't remember anything about the gallery of the maps. I just cruise through. Like at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, you're gonna think about you're gonna think about all the Thanksgivings you had. You're not gonna be able to tell one from the other, but you will remember experiences you had and moments where you visit a new city or saw something iconic or something cool. And a guide only builds up the anticipation towards that moment and makes it more memorable. So when that moment does come, you'd be like, I remember this is in chapel. I remember being Saint Chapelle hearing about the windows getting broken and this and that and whatever not in Paris. I remember this. I remember hearing about the flood here. I remember seeing this aqueduct in Segovia. You know what I mean? It's like these memories are what you're taking with you. So the number one reason to take a tour is because if you don't take a tour, you might forget what you saw. And if you take a tour, your chances of remembering it are that much greater. That is like the number one thing. Love that so much. That's so good. You know, the other ideas is like, okay, what are the components of the tour? So obviously skipping a line is a, is a great deal. Two is like, we secure tickets in advance. So like you're saying you don't plan ahead. I do. You know what I mean? That's what we do for a living. No if plan. You did, yeah. If you didn't plan ahead, how, would I have a job? You know what I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't plan ahead. I mean, people book far in advance. Like the average booking window is like six to 12 weeks out. And then you get some people that book six months, to 12 months out, you know, and you know, that's great. You know, we buy the tickets far in advance. We buy these tickets for many monuments, nine, 10 months in advance. I'm talking shoveling hundreds of thousands, if not millions of euros out to, 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 to acquire tickets so that when you go there, you have that, that ability to enter. So like cool. in the past, it's skipping the line, but now it's like just getting inside too is a big part of doing a tour. And then you, okay. So you can't get inside if you don't do the tour, but then you do the tour and the guide's great and they're passionate and they're really into it. Like people don't choose this job because it's, monetary benefits you know it's not like there's no tour guides flying private jets around the world it doesn't <laughs> exist you know people do it because they really like what they're doing you yes. have a catacombs tour in paris who's a cataphile she professionally oh. sneaks into the catacomb- catacombs at night and she's all awesome and weird and that's her vibe you know and she just loves it and you get a tour from her and you're like perfect person to get a catacombs tour you know what i mean and maybe we i don't want to chat her up in a bar but yeah, an article about how the, we didn't realize that the catacombs in Paris go on for just ridiculous miles more than six, what's open six to or the seven public. Million people, and there's you know, all bodies. these yeah people like you just said that sneak in there. They know the right the secret entrances and where how to navigate down there and the parts that aren't open. Crazy. It's just one section that you go into. Also, with the tour, like they say, the Paris catacombs, the tours get into different areas you can't go into on your own because you need to have a guide to show you through them. So That's there's a big so you get a 
you get a very abbreviated passage by yourself. And then with the tour guide, you get to see all kinds of cool stuff, like the barrel of skulls and all kinds of crazy cool things. Um, but it's very cool. And then just like, you're going to want to know what you're looking at. And people don't get it because, you know, a lot of the people are in the, going to Europe, especially our customers are American. And you go to an American museum and it's like interactive and it's got like this like video presentation and like you could like touch, touch something. Yeah, his explanation, Ben Franklin pops up as a visual animation. He's like, oh, explain the electricity. In Europe, you get there and you get a little card the size of like your iPhone. And it's like, this was painted in 1778. By Raphael, you know, not Raphael was around that point, but you know, by you know whoever Delacroix, and this is this, and that's that. It's an impressionist style. Boom, that's it. By the way, all the things I just said were all different time periods, not the correct <laughs> thing style. But I'm okay. just saying, you know, you get this little tiny card, and with the tour guide, they explain everything. You know, it's just like this is why this happened, and then they give opinions, which is not just like on a card you get facts, and facts are boring. Okay, no one cares when something's painted. They care that it was painted the same time period that. Napoleon was ransacking Europe or that Winston Churchill was defending, you know, the known world from tyranny. Like that's what people want. They don't want to know it was painted in 1943. You know, who cares about 1943? You want to know the analogy of how that affects your life. And that's like, you can't get that on a card and there's no, the Vatican museums are not interactive. They expect you to buy a tour. They want you to buy a tour. We have a direct relationship and partnership with the Vatican museums. And they're the idea behind that is like, you guys should do this better than us. Go ahead. Yeah, and they're very picky about their tour guides, too. I mean, I'm sure it's Italy on top. It's a license, man. You can't do it without a license. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I think that's all super important. Because if you don't take a tour, like, you just miss, I don't know, 90% of the information about wherever you are. Because you have no idea. You don't know. Yes. And a lot of these attractions, like, lean on us as a tour company to kind of be inventive and do things that aren't happening currently or to just, like, manage new types of experiences like the tower of london uh they are really happy with our partnership with them we're one of their biggest sellers of tours and they just uh, we just know how what people are going to want better than they do and they are very happy with that they sell us tickets at a slight premium to do cooler things and you can do a general mission and they let us manage it and it works really well that way so attractions partner with tour companies like us because we can just manage a better product and experience better than most of the attractions can. And then like, why do the attractions want to do that? Like their job, the Coliseum's job is not to manage attractions. The Coliseum's job is to keep it standing. Right. You know what I mean? The idea is, well, yeah, they're not. They just, they want to make sure that you can see more of it and that it's standing and it's safe and it's going to be around for forever. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to mention too, because when we were looking uh, for our trip in Italy that we ended up having to cancel, we were going to go to Milan. And then one of the big attractions there is, uh, da Vinci's Last The Last Supper. Supper painting, which you cannot even get. It has to be at least six months ahead of time is when they start selling the tickets. And so I, because like your company, you know, buys some of those, I think that's, you can have a shot at it later on if you still have a tour open because you already bought the tickets, it's, right? It's a challenge. Yeah. So we're partners with the, with the Last Supper and with the church. You know what I mean? So it's it, Last Supper's in a church, by the way. Uh, it's not just like a museum or anything. You, you literally go inside a church and they have a chapel and that chapel was where the Last Supper is. Um, and yeah, we have a partnership. So we have allotments of tickets. Uh, again, a lot of these places, they don't want to deal with all of the logistics of it. They love to partner with tour companies who can deal with it for them. They can do online sales. There's a lot of things that we, a lot of things we solve for them and they're happy with the, the deal. But yeah, you want to buy the Last Supper in advance. You can buy, we still have some inventory last minute um, with the Last Supper. So if you go on our website, you can, or you just search Last Supper Tours, you'll find us, don't worry. 
Um, you know, Google is the best place to find us, but you, you can find inventory on our site and you'll be able to get a tour likely like two weeks in advance, uh, most likely, but, but we won't good. be able to, you most likely won't be able to get a ticket just to go on by your own. Uh, the last supper prefers you go in a group and that you're guided through the museum because otherwise people like, they know that the tour guide and the tour company has more at stake. So if people on our tour are taking, you know, flash photos, they can just find us. Oh. Um, and they know that our tour guide will keep everyone from doing that. And that kind of helps the monument stay around for a longer period of time. So it's kind of like outsourcing. Cause that one is in particular, like disintegrating or something, right? It has to be in very specific. Everything is I mean, this stuff's 400 years old, 500 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like these, these museums, they want to keep them around forever, you know, and that's a big part of this. And, you know, you go in by yourself and, you know, people, you know, I don't expect a doctor who knows everything about my body and I don't know half the stuff to know everything about art. That's the, if they do this, they make it so I stay healthy. We make sure they understand art. They may not know the effects of a flash on a painting from the, you know, 15th century or 16th century that has been used as a barn and was bombed and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, we do know that. And that's what the, the museum leans on us to take care of that for them. Cause they're literally a church. So it's run by clergy. Right. That, yes. So they are happy to have someone take care of that. Yes. Right. Vatican is the same way. You know what I mean? The contact that we have is a, uh, actually a nun this year. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's hit, if you can recommend any um, kind of off the radar spots that you think people should see in some of these big sites, London, Paris, Rome. Yeah. So like uh, London is really cool. There's an area called the Seven Dials, I think it's called uh, in London, which is a really cool little area. It's just where seven corners come and intersect in the middle of London. Uh, Soho and stuff is very popular, but I don't really love Soho. It's a little bit like, I guess a little, it's fun to be young and stuff. But it's a little bit dirty. I kind of prefer to be somewhere a little cooler and nicer and cleaned up. Uh, seven Dials is that for me. I also went up on the Shard a couple of years ago, which is like the skyscraper in London, which yeah. if you live in like New York or something like that, it's kind of just like, yeah, we got lots of skyscrapers, but London, they really only have one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's this, this is the big one and there's some other smaller ones, but it's not like, you know, New York where you have like 50 or hundred or 200 skyscrapers. So the Shard is pretty cool for viewpoint and you can get a cocktail up there. It's just kind of fun and cool and fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also recommend in Paris, there's a lot of great, things to do in Paris. Saint-Chapelle is one of them. You want to book that in advance. That's the the church with all the beautiful stained glass windows that are very thin. That's one we didn't do before either. So that's on my for sure list. It is a very impactful place to visit. And it's a timed entry. Again, it's very hard to get tickets. You got to book in advance. Uh, We went in 2021 when tourism wasn't even a thing and it was difficult to get tickets. Mm. You know, so I couldn't imagine even you have to book months in advance right now. Uh, what, what tour companies do is, I mean, we don't actually have a, a Saint-Chapelle tour right now, but I assume we will by the time anyone listens to this. You know, we're always putting on new stuff on our website. But tour companies just kind of make all that stuff easy. Like, how do you get tickets? How do you plan? How do you organize? Uh, we just be like, you yeah, don't worry, but you just buy our ticket or buy our tour and we'll take care of all these things. Um, and that's a, a really big benefit. But uh, in Rome, there there isn't a lot of off the beaten path in Rome anymore. Rome is very saturated. But one thing I would recommend is if you're going to stay in Rome, don't stay by the train station. A lot of people make the the mistake of staying by Termini. Uh, you really want to stay in the Spanish you know, sta- Spanish Steps, which is like I guess like 40 and up. Like that's where I'm at now, and I, that's probably where I want to stay when I go with my wife. And then Piazza Navona for like anyone like you know, I, there's some overlap there, but like 45 to 30 near Piazza Navona, it's kind of like a, a mid midway in, in through life place to like kind of party hang out and eat good restaurants and like trastevere for the young kids i love trastevere uh, <laughs> it's my favorite yeah, it's just, Rome. 
Yeah, when you go back though, you kind of like like it a little bit less every time as you get a little yeah. bit older. You know what I mean? It's like every time I go back, I still like it. I still go there, and I still so hang charming. Out there. Yeah, it's just like cleaner by the Spanish Steps and by Trevi Fountain, and you know, not Trevi Fountain as much, but like Piazza Navona, like is my spot. You know, that's where I really like to hang out, or like by the Pantheon. Now it's just like a little bit cleaner. The Seven Days a little bit, you know, shabby in some places. I still go there. I still hang out, but okay, less and less every year. Uh, but, but I would off the beaten path. There's really just outside these cities. These cities are going to be packed. If you're going to go there and you want off the beaten path, go in March, go in April, go in November, December, um, you know, or, or August, August, just expect some closures. Yeah. And even like Paris, we were looking at, you know, just quick the train trips to Paris. I mean, there's like a gazillion places you can go on the train from Paris. So I suppose you could stay at any one of those places too, and go, <laughs> go into Paris. There's a fast, train, the train. There's a fast yeah. train to Bordeaux now, which is yeah, quite nice. There's a fast train, train to, to all kinds of places. Yeah, Bordeaux is quite good. I mean, you could in Rome, you could really you could really create a hub in like Tuscany, honestly, and then shoot to Florence or shoot to Rome for the day too. I mean, I, I in the summertime it makes a lot of sense, but in the summertime you want to be by the sea as well and not in like the countryside. The sea yeah. is quite nice in Italy in the summer. Okay, Puglia, so I know Puglia is a, is a great area in Italy to go to for is the that, summer. That's the bottom the stiletto, the stiletto heel, the boot. Yeah, is Puglia. It's just like no man's land like you will not find any there's set up for tourism but it's not really the same like you have to rent a car and you have to do things like that like you don't want to go to body and stay in body you stay in a villa outside um it's way cheaper than tuscany instead of a thousand bucks a night you pay 300 bucks a night you can split it with other family um, which is quite cool but you have to rent a car but driving's just like here it's okay so i know we need to to wrap up here so let me ask um if you have a favorite tour or two I'm a boat person. So if I'm going to do something, it's going to be on a sailboat or a boat of sorts. There's a, a boat tour from Sorrento to Capri, which is great. You're on the oh, Amalfi Coast. It's going to be, even it's going to be so busy in the Amalfi Coast this summer, like crazy. Like there's no way I'm going to the Amalfi Coast. My wife tried to get us to go to the Amalfi Coast. I'm like zero chance. We're going to Ponza because <laughs> Amalfi Coast is going to be crazy this summer. You couldn't pay me to do it literally. Um, but I would consider the idea of taking a boat on the Malfi Coast because the water is not crowded and there's no people. So from Sorrento, there's a boat tour you can take. Uh, we have it on our website. It's through a company called You Know Boat. And you can just go from Sorrento to Capri for the day. And it's like, you're on a boat. It's like a private yacht, basically, with like 10 or 12 people on it. And it's amazing. You know, you jump in the water. There's, there's you know, you get to see the, you know, Fragolini rocks and all kinds of cool stuff. This is the big rocks by Capri that stick up out of the water, like in the Philippines. Yeah, we still... Of the places we've been, ranked the Amalfi Coast as the most beautiful place above Cinque Terre, and I mean, and we did spend a day on Capri. I mean, oh my gosh! <laughs> you if know, you can save on flights, rent a boat, and stay. Well, on the we Coast teach you how to fly boat. for free, so that's what I'm saying. Use that yeah. money to rent totally. a boat and stay. Because the Amalfi Coast is just busy; it's just really busy. But by boat, you can go to all the restaurants, the good ones at least by boat, and you can just dock. You know what I mean? It's really, yeah, next level. Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay. All right. Well, tell us um, where we can find the tour guy online. And I will say they have great content on YouTube and Instagram, tons of great informative videos and tips and things like that. So where can we find you? Yeah. I mean, obviously our website is tourguy.com. You can Google the tour guy and you can find us or you can Google anything you want about Europe and you can find us as well. You can Google what to see at the Louvre or top things to do in Segovia or how to visit the Vatican. You can Google basically any question you have about Europe or at least like France, Italy, Spain, uh, and the United Kingdom. And then you can find our website on the first page for most of those queries. 
you can also, yeah, you can you can search Rome tours, Colosseum tours, Vatican tours, Paris tours, whatever you want. You'll find us uh, right there. Or we have a little red favicon or logo that has a porcupine on it. Don't ask me why. It's a whole long story, but uh, you'll you'll see our little red logo with the porcupine outline and. We have tons of tours and options. We run like 80% of our tours ourselves. And then 20% of our tours are run by what we call inventory partners. And there's other companies that we think are really, really good that know more about a specific subset of a city or something that we know. Like maybe I'm not going to run a food tour in Lisbon because I'm not an expert on Lisbon. So we're going to use a food tour company in Lisbon to run that tour. There's also, I'm a super big expert on, super big, I'm a big expert on food in Rome. But at this point, I've been living in the States for about eight years, seven years. So we are shopping out one of our food tours to another local company that we feel is more competent than us to run food tours in Rome. So there's always our goal with this, with the partners, is just to always have the best possible experiences curated. So you don't have to second guess your choices, compare on our website. Every tour is going to be great. And it's from a great supplier. So for ourselves. That's a good, but like curation is key here. I think for everything these days, I mean, you, this is a way to curate your travels. You know, they're going to have an amazing tour and they're going to get you to the things that you want to see and do and saves you the overwhelm of trying to plan it all. Yes. We definitely have a lot of options and different things for people to choose from. But again, we're not looking to have every option. We're looking to have just the best quality options. So it's really easy to be like, okay, I'll commit to this tour. And I assume we can find you on social media at the tour guide is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So YouTube is our big thing. We, we have an, a really immense uh, travel guide or blog. Uh, we get over a million visitors per month to our blog, which is just like unlimited free information. And we yep. just plug our tours along the way. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, do this, do this, this tour. You can do a tour there as well. Um, and then on YouTube, we have this, um, we, we have a, a partner named Angel who runs our YouTube channel. And he is like super colorful, super animated, great. And he is like a history nut. He's so passionate <laughs> about, you know, churches and food and culture. And he loves it. And he's like Spanish and Italian backgrounds. Uh, and he does amazing content. He's actually traveling to Europe right now. And he's going to, we're like, have a slight gap in production where we haven't produced a video in like a month, but normally we produce a video every other week. Um, and we're going to see a run of really good videos coming out now. So like 75,000 subscribers, and which is a lot for a company, normally individuals, yeah. companies normally don't you know, accrue a mass following. So it's pretty good. Yeah. You guys do a, a great job with content for sure. Very, very. Yeah. Hard. And it's, it's, it's pretty like motivated on free information. Obviously we plug our products and things like that, but normally it's like we plug products that fit into the content that we're producing. You know, it's not like a commercial. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that was fantastic. I would love to have a part two of that. <laughs> I could have talked about that all day, um, but we will let you go for now. And um, everyone tune in next week. We'll see you on next week's episode. If you're ready to fly your family free forever, I invite you to join my family's fly free membership. You'll learn how to stop paying for airfare throughout the U.S., Caribbean and Europe so you can make those priceless family travel memories before your kids or even your grandkids leave home for good. And you'll learn it using my simple proven formula that's helped hundreds of families. Plus, it's risk-free. You either get your investment in the membership back in free travel, or I give you your money back. You can get more information at familiesflyfree.com slash join.